And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. Paul Kangor, professor of political science at Grove City College. And Dr. Kangor, it is an honor to have you back with us today. Well, thank you, Dan. It's always good to be with you. It's been a little while, so it's good to be back. <laughs> I uh, I was reminded of you the other day because an article came out, I think it was dated early March, on the American Spectator, and it had the title, Blessed Are the Well-Armed Peacemakers. And that seemed to combine a principle that I strongly believe in, and apparently you do too, and that is we want peace, but we also want to be well-armed and strong as we negotiate for peace. So could you tell us a little bit about what this article was all about, Dr. Kangor? Yeah, well, so that article was was a a review of a book by William Inboden, who has spent some time in various various national security councils in the federal government. I think it's only his second book, Dan. He's Mm -hmm. been, um, he's probably around my age, in his mid-50s, and he did, uh, he did a very lengthy biography of Ronald Reagan. And you know, it had a lot of really good endorsements, including a lot of, from a lot of people I respect. And I think it's probably, other than my book, and I didn't say this in my review of it, I don't think I did, but um, other than my book, The Crusader, Ronald Reagan and the Fall of Communism, which came out in 2006, and that's actually the basis for Reagan the movie, which mm. will hopefully be out in the next year. It's, it's, the filming is done and everything. Neat. But um, other than, than that book that I did, I think this is probably the most serious, comprehensive effort to assess what Ronald Reagan did in foreign policy, in national security policy, in the Cold War. And, and his idea, and this is the key, I think, behind that phrase, well-armed peacemakers, the the, the the book the book is called the peacemaker, and and the author opens up with uh, with a quote from scripture: "Blessed are the peacemakers." Yeah. And what what Ronald Reagan pursued, and and a lot of people didn't understand this in the eighties, including a lot of Christians. That Reagan pursued what what Reagan called peace through strength. So it was the idea that if you really wanted peace, you need to you needed to build up your arsenal. You needed to have that in order to deter enemies in order to convince your enemies not to invade, not to act against you, right. not to act up, you know, not to be aggressive. So, so the, the, the way to get peace was through strength. You don't get peace through unilateral disarmament and by you know, opening the gates and standing completely unprepared while aggressive militant enemies that want to harm people um, are out and about prowling around. Uh, so, so, yeah, you get peace through strength. Uh, blessed are the well-armed peacemakers. <laughs> oh, I just love it. It just resonated with me. And, uh, yeah, I totally agree. It's peace through strength. That's how it works uh, at the world level entirely. Um, now, uh, tell us a little bit more about Ronald Reagan. You wrote a lot about him. You understand him, as few others do. Uh, what was he like, this Ronald Reagan character? Well, connecting again back to the scriptures, he was um, he was a very faithful man. He was raised in, in the Disciples of Christ denomination out of the Midwest. His um, his mother, her name was Nell, was you know just on fire for the Lord. I mean, she the, the, the church that they grew up in, the, the first Christian church on 
South Hennepin Avenue in Dixon, Illinois. His mom taught one of the Bible school classes, one of the Sunday school classes. Hmm. In fact, her, her class, which was called the True Blue Sunday School class, <laughs> was uh, <laughs> it was the most popular of, of anyone in the congregation, including more than the pastors, Ben Cleavers. And you know, Ronald Reagan also taught a Sunday school class, which, which he taught to the young boys in the congregation. Oh, neat. In fact, yeah, Reagan loved that class, and so much so that even when he went to college, Eureka College, which was about 100 miles away in a really long drive in you know, the late 1920s, early 1930s, the cars of those days, Reagan would come home every Sunday for the first, I think it was like 10 weeks almost, that he was a freshman at Eureka College, he would come home just to continue teaching that Sunday school class. Oh. To the, yeah, yeah, to those boys. And they really looked up to him, really respected him. But you know, that, that, was his, that was his faith upbringing. And when he went to Hollywood in the 1930s, then a really formative influence on him, like everybody in that period, mm-hmm. was World War II. Oh, yeah. World War II and, and then the start of the Cold War, and Reagan became convinced through watching you know, bullies, people who weren't peacemakers, like Hitler and Stalin and you know, the, the leaders of Nazi Germany, the various leaders of Soviet Germany, that uh, Reagan, in fact, a quote from Reagan that I almost put in, in, in that article, Dan, Reagan used to say, there have been four, there have been four wars in my lifetime, and, and I've learned that in each case, you know, the best way to be prepared for peace is to be prepared for war. That's right. You, you, you can't let your guard down. Uh, you know, being, being a Christian doesn't mean being a doormat. No. And, and, just, and just letting bullies come in and wipe their feet on you and then kicking down the door of your house, taking your family captive, taking your neighbors captive. You know, that, you know, that's, that's, that's not what, what we're tasked to do. No. You know, we have, um, and, and especially in a country like the United States, which has been the world's wealthiest economy for you know, so many decades now, you know, it, it, it doesn't take more than about 2 to 3% of your GDP to get an absolutely enormous military budget mm-hmm. that would deter any aggressor. So you know, just like buying insurance, uh, you know, just like taking other steps that you have to do to spend money, you know, to maybe to buy a security system for your house, you know, these are steps the responsible governments have to take in order to uh, to have peace and, prote- and to protect their citizens. And Reagan understood that. Yeah. Uh, you give an example in your article of Reagan deploying the Pershing, Pershing II uh, intermediate range nuclear forces. Uh, can, you, can you talk about that a little bit? And how did that work out? Yeah, so, so these, these were intermediate range nuclear missiles. So you know, they had a range of anywhere from about 300 to about 3,000 miles, and they were they were stationed primarily in Western Europe and Eastern Europe. In Eastern Europe, in the so-called Warsaw Pact countries, by the Soviets, and these were these were missiles, the SS-20 missile, for example, on the Soviet side. In the United States, or at least the, the U.S. Western Europe side, these were NATO countries, and and the type of missile that Reagan wanted to deploy were the Pershing twos, also known as the Euro missile. And when, when Reagan wanted to deploy those missiles there, he did so, and he said this from the very beginning, Dan, it was just amazing. I mean, Reagan told everybody in major speeches and everything else and in press conferences exactly what he was doing. 
exactly what the purpose and intent was, and yet and yet his his enemies and detractors so badly maligned him and misrepresented him every time. But he, he said he said the Soviets have several hundred of, of these intermediate-range nuclear forces in Eastern Europe, so we're going to put several hundred, almost the exact same number, in Western Europe. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to do that in pursuit of what Reagan called the zero option, the zero-zero option. He, he, said, he, he said the goal here is to get the Soviets to take their total number of missiles in Eastern Europe down to zero. But Reagan understood that the Soviets weren't going to do that unless we deployed missiles too. So we, so we had to build up in order to build down, as, as Reagan put it. And we had to build up and deploy those missiles. And when Reagan did this, the whole nuclear freeze movement just lost its mind. <laughs> called him a warmonger. There were these massive protests, Central Park in New York, in Paris, London, all over the place. There were um, what they called die-ins outside the White House where people dressed like coffins. And, and laid outside the White House. Hmm. Reagan was a warmonger. He was going to blow up the world. But, in fact, Reagan built those missiles. He deployed them. And then, you know, voila, amazing, in December 1987, Mikhail Gorbachev came to, to D.C. to the Washington summit, sat down with Ronald Reagan, and on December 8, 1987, the United States and the USSR at the Washington summit signed the INF Treaty, which was the first and only nuclear missile treaty in history that actually banned an entire class of nuclear weapons. Mm. So they took both sides, took their IMF forces down to zero, 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 exactly what Reagan had called for in his zero option speech Mm -hmm. in 1981, just a few months into his presidency. So what Reagan called for and planned actually worked to a T, beautifully, perfectly. Zero, zero. And, and yeah, I didn't say all this in the article, but I've said it in my books. I've quoted people like, I don't know if you remember her or not, Dan, but Helen Caldicott, mm-hmm. who was the Australian doctor who was the head of, well, I don't think it was Physicians for Social Responsibility. It might have been. But people like her even said, you know, late 1990s, interviewed by PBS, she said, you know, I thought Reagan was going to blow up the world. <laughs> and I told people that. And I have to say, I was, no one was more surprised than me yes. when they signed that treaty in yes. 1987. But uh, Reagan wasn't surprised. Had they just listened and, you know, not portrayed him as this nuclear madman, um, they, you know, they could have enjoyed the 1980s a little <laughs> bit more and, and uh, you know, and understood what a, what a great period of, um, of achieving peace that yes. was. You know, blessed are the peacemakers. It's really neat. Well, today we're talking with Dr. Paul Kangor, professor of political science at Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania. And uh, Dr. Kangor, does your school still, um, is it still independent from government money coming in? It is. Yeah, it is, Dan. It has been for quite some time now, going back to at least our 1984 U.S. Supreme Court case, uh, Grove City v. Bell. And it was back then that we went all the way to the high court, and we actually lost. We actually lost that decision. But but we decided from then on that the only way that we could act independently without uh, the federal government telling us what to do with their tens and thousands of tens of thousands of pages, literally, of guidelines and regulations, 
because it, you know it, this is how the federal government works. You take one dime of aid from them for one student, and they want to tell you everything you have to do. That's right. It, it, you know, and you know, private organizations don't do this, but uh, but you know your your friends in Washington do. In fact, yes. Ronald Reagan said the the scariest nine words in the in the English government or uh, is it nine words, thirteen, simple like that. Reagan said the scariest words in the English language are. I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. <laughs> <laughs> I remember so, that. But, oh, yeah. But, yeah, but, but they wanted to tell us and everyone else that if you accept one dime of federal aid, then um, you, know, you do everything that we say. That's and right. we said, that's a threat to our independence. And, and of course, the, you know, the liberals said, you want to discriminate against people. And we said, no, 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 we don't. You want to discriminate against women. No, no, we don't. We were... <laughs> admitting women at Grove City College long before just about anybody else and, and had equal number of men and women. In fact, we have more women here now than we do guys. Mm-hmm. Probably did in 1984 as well. Had equal number of women's sports, maybe even more women's sports than guys' sports. But what we didn't want is, uh, is them telling us what to do on yes. Title IX and all these other things. You know, we, we still obey the laws of the land, of course. We don't break laws. But, but we didn't have to want to follow and abide by every single stipulation of the feds, including, and there are so many colleges and universities that know this, and we've heard from them over the years, including you know, very liberal presidents of other colleges who express frustration and say, you know, we don't even know when we're violating the law sometimes. Hmm. It is just crazy. There's so many of them. Yes. It's absolutely absurd, all the hoops that we have to jump through. Oh, yeah. And we said, yeah, that's exactly right. We are welcome to the club. That's why it's important <laughs> to have uh, freedom Independence. In fact, Lee Edwards, the great um, conservative intellectual historian at at uh, Heritage Foundation, calls us Freedom's College. Mm. That's the name of his uh, his history of Grove City College, Freedom's College. I love it, and I think it's uh, it's well fed. It's well deserved. I love that. Maybe there's a young person out there who just happened to tune by the broadcast today and has been thinking about picking up. Uh, picking out a college, how would they go about um, signing up for Grove City or, or getting accepted, first of all, and then uh, moving in that direction? Well, it's not easy to get accepted. <laughs> so we have um, we have pretty high SAT scores, yep. really good, intelligent, competitive student body. But but just, you know, just Google us, just Google Grove City College. And by the way, it's called Grove City because it's named for the town in which the college resides grove city pennsylvania mm-hmm. and i have to point that out because a lot of people especially in places like new york and california when they hear city college they think community college yes but it's not a community college it it, it has the city in the name because it's named for the town grove city it's really it's a neat. four-year private yeah four-year private liberal arts college and uh and and not all woke like all the rest of the colleges out there it's you know a truly Christian college, and, and it's, you know, to be blunt, it's a conservative college. Yes. We say that right in our mission statement. That's well, who we are. It's wonderful. Thank God for that. Uh, today we're talking with Dr. Paul Kangor, author and professor of political science at Grove City College, and we're talking about this article, Blessed Are the Well-Armed Peacemakers, and uh, we've discussed Reagan and the Pershing missiles. Uh, were there other missiles and other <laughs> other other demonstrations of power, uh, preparedness, let's say, that Reagan uh, uh, did? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, through the whole kind of umbrella of peace through strength, 
I mean, there's so much that he did. There, there was the MX missile. Oh yeah. And in fact, as I go, yeah, as I go through in the article, that yeah, you know, the that they named the MX the Peacekeeper, and they did so after my uh, good friend Bill Clark. I was Clark's biographer. He was Reagan's National Security Council, mm. um, the head of Reagan's National Security Council, and uh, Clark's grandfather had been a sheriff in the Old West who settled California, and he called his Colt 45. It was given to him by Teddy Roosevelt. They called it the peacemaker, <laughs> the peacekeeper, and and so so that that was the phrase that they used for the MX missile. And here again, it was people, you know, people on on the left would 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 you know hysteria. How could you call a missile a peacekeeper? <laughs> right? Well, well, you you don't understand. Okay, it's, it's like it, it's like the police. The police keep the peace. Yes, the guys with the guns keep the peace. You, you, you don't keep peace against bad guys by waving daisies at them and singing <laughs> Kumbaya. You know, that doesn't work. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's, 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 that's not how it goes. So there was that. There was the 600-ship Navy that Reagan built. In fact, in many cases, um, recommissioning, old decommissioned, you know, great World War II ships and mm-hmm. cruisers that had been put practically into mothballs, which were you know, just sitting in ports rusting and getting cobwebs and, 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 and never being used. Reagan resurrected so many of those. There was SDI, the Strategic Defense Initiative, oh, yeah. which the critics dubbed Star Wars. And in fact, that's a great example, Dan, because Reagan said, said you know, I don't understand. You're calling it Star Wars. But, but you know, Star Wars was about a war in the stars, fighting in the stars. What I have in mind are space-based lasers on platforms that would zap incoming Soviet nuclear <laughs> missiles. He said, this isn't offensive at all. It's defensive. That's right. It's a defense initiative. And so they quickly dropped the SDI um, label, his critics, and including people like Ted Kennedy, and just called it Star Wars. So it was a complete misrepresentation of what it was. It was for defense, not offense. Yes, yes. It was for keeping peace. Very important distinction. Very important. Um, we've got maybe uh, five or six minutes left. Um, what else about Reagan that stands out that should be emulated today, uh, Dr. Paul Kangor? Well, I'd say in addition to a lot of these, these principles that I've talked about, I'd say peace through strength is really kind of a timeless uh, principle or strategy that the country should always abide by. But the Reagan, in, term, in terms of him as a person, he was somebody with, with, with high character, great civility, and great decency. And I, I've met so many people over the years on, on the political left who didn't vote for him and said, uh, but, you know, he was a good guy. Mm-hmm. He was a nice guy. He was a nice man. And I miss that time of civility, of how he could sit down with Tip O'Neill and they could get along and... And, you know, it, 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 we, we, we missed that. Yes. And it's one of the reasons why so many people did vote for him twice. And he won 44 out of 50 states against an incumbent, Jimmy Carter, in 1980. Oh, yeah. And then was reelected in 1984. Amazing, Dan. 49 out of 50 states. Wow. 49 out of 50. Wow. Won the Electoral College 525 to 13. Mm. He got all he, he won the popular vote. 59 to 41 <laughs> percent. He had almost 60 percent of the popular vote. That's really neat. So, so yeah, it was a time of great unity, and it would be wonderful if we could achieve that again. But I don't see it 
um, I, I, I have a hard time seeing it, ha- seeing it happen. Yeah, it's hard to see that happening. I suppose by the grace of God it could, but um, all things being equal, it probably won't, but uh, let's pray that it will. Um, yeah, right. So tell us a little bit more about this. Uh, anything else come to mind regarding the strength side of the equation? You know, what comes to my mind is that we live, uh, our enemies are not nice people. And it, I think it's it's um, naive for us to assume that if we unarm ourselves, disarm ourselves, our enemies will follow suit. No, they will come in and take us over. I mean, the kind of enemies we have are 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 severe. Uh, can you describe our enemies a little bit? Well, let me give you a good example of modern day and with the Russians. And, and Ronald Reagan said, we learned long ago that if you were going to approach the Russians with a dove of peace in one hand, you had to have a sword in the other. Correct. And Reagan said that the Russians respect strength, and it's very true. And applying that to Vladimir Putin, it, it was it was it was not long after 2013 or 2012, 2012, when Barack Obama said to said to Dmitry Medvedev, the Prime Minister of Russia. He, he said, uh, I will have more flexibility after the election. Yes. And Medvedev said, oh, yes, I'll tell Vladimir, I'll tell Vladimir. And that weakness, it was a year after that, 2013, after the election, that Putin invaded the Crimea. There you go. And, and, and I, and I, I got to point out, too, you know, under, Donald, under Donald Trump, Putin behaved himself. Um, and, True. And you know, Trump was building up the military. And then when Biden came in, it was not long after Afghanistan fell again to the ta- to the Taliban that Putin invaded not just the Crimea but all of the Ukraine. Oh he yeah, even went into Kiev. Yeah. So, so the Russians prey on weakness. They really do. Yeah, that Afghanistan debacle um, really crushes our spirit when we consider the evil that took place there. And there was a plan, a withdrawal plan. Correct me if I'm wrong. But it wasn't like, oh, let's just drop everything and give billions of dollars to our enemies. That does not work. No, the, the way that Biden went about it, and especially, I, I mean, it's one thing to have a withdrawal plan, but you can't withdraw in a way that allows the Taliban right. to immediately come back into power. And by the way, they, they did so, Dan, right on the 20th anniversary of September 11, 2001. Uh. So, so it had a horrible kind of symbolic element to it as well. And even if Joe Biden is doing better now, you know, shooting down balloons and so forth, <laughs> it, you know, in, in a way it was, it, was, it was too late because when you have a debacle like that in your first year, that's a signal to bad guys. Oh, absolutely. Like, Putin, like Xi in China, um, that, that they can move against you and, and against you, maybe you know, move against Ukraine in a way that could bring in NATO, that could bring in Poland, that could bring in the United States. And we're in. I mean, we just promised another, I think, $500 million in aid to, to the Ukrainians, to, to Vladimir Zelensky. Yeah. So uh, that, you know, that uh, letting the guard down initially, I, I, I don't know if I could say with 100% certainty that Biden's failure, A, in Afghanistan led to B, um, Putin invading Ukraine, but, you know, but it happened. You and, bet it did. And these things usually are connected yeah. in, in international affairs. Like Reagan said. You're going to approach the Russians with a dove of peace in one hand. You better have a sword in the other. Well, our guest today has been Dr. Paul Kangor, 
of Grove City College. And Dr. Kangor, if somebody wants to read more, how can they um, enlighten themselves with some of your writings? Uh, Well, thanks, Dan. So check out our Institute for Faith and Freedom at Grove City College, and that's just faithandfreedom.com. And we, uh, we, uh, that piece, I think we might have reprinted it there, and it's, uh, I believe we did. And, and also, I'm the editor of the American Spectator, and that's where that piece appeared, and it's uh, originally. And the website there is spectator.org. And I write a weekly column for the American Spectator. You could sign up and get my stuff for free. Yeah, it's a great magazine. I, I'm signed up for it, and I enjoy it. Well, Dr. Kangor, thank you so much for fitting us in today. I know you're driving. You've got your family with you, and they've been as silent as a mouse, and I wouldn't mind if they all said hi over the air. That would be wonderful. It's amazing. Oh, wow. Okay, hold on. Hey, uh, hey guys, Dan Elmendorf and his audience wants to hear you all say hello. Louder, come on. Louder. <laughs> All right, did you get that? That's a beautiful thing. Praise God for children. (laughs) Dr. Kangor, God bless you, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, All right, Dan. Thanks so much. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.